another episode of Rightly Divide the Word of Truth. This is Andrew S. Baker, and I'm your host for these Bible study podcasts. Today, we are continuing with our review of the key principles of effective Bible study, based on a booklet of the same name, available on our podcast page. That's biblestudy.asbzone.com. Our podcast series is based on the following Bible verse, 2 Timothy 2, 15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Here's why we're doing this series, each episode of which is pretty short. Most people know that Bible study is essential to the Christian experience, and many people realize that without prayer, Bible study is futile and unproductive. But there are other principles that the scriptures teach us besides these, and not all of them are well known or well understood. Our goal in this broadcast is to present these principles for your review and study so that you will have a richer and more complete experience in your personal devotions, leading you to become just like the noble Bereans of Acts 17, 10 through 12. We're told to study to show ourselves approved unto God so that we can rightly divide the word of truth. And that's what we're going to do today. Before we begin this study, let's have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you again for the privilege of studying your word. And we're able to do this together, even though apart. We ask you to help us. Please grant unto us your Holy Spirit. Please give us wisdom and understanding that we may rightly divide your word of truth and not be ashamed because we are interpreting your word according to the way that you intended. Please forgive us of our sins, Lord, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As a reminder, we will be reading all of our verses from the King James Version of the Bible. Our topic for today is, The Bible is both literal and spiritual. The Bible is both literal and spiritual. We have already seen that the overall purpose of the Bible is salvation. That's a key principle, and we saw that very early on. Thus, everything in the Bible is ultimately intended to have spiritual significance. God has chosen to use several different ways of communicating his truths to us, so the writings of the Bible can be categorized in the following ways. Literal, further divided into history and instruction, poetic, parable, or prophetic. Okay? The vast majority of the Bible is literal. Vast majority of the Bible is literal. And this should be considered the default way in which to view and understand all passages unless there are clear and compelling reasons to interpret a passage in one of the other forms. Just because a passage or concept or instruction might be hard to understand or seemingly inconsistent with modern day norms, it's not a valid reason to conclude that the passage in question is poetic or symbolic or metaphoric in any way. Virtually every book in the Bible incorporates more than one of the forms in at least one passage. 
The poetic forms of the Bible are largely concentrated in the books of Job, Psalms, and the works of Solomon, which would be Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Songs of Solomon. Please note that the Psalms also contain many prophetic components and also refer to literal events. Poetic is not equivalent to allegorical, nor should it be assumed that the depictions described are fabricated or constructed solely for the purpose of making a point. Parables are given primarily by Jesus and Old Testament prophets. Much of the instruction that Jesus gave was in the form of parables. In fact, Luke points out that he spake to the people almost entirely in parables. A parable is a story which almost always depicts a realistic event or activity as and is intended to convey some spiritual lesson. Many, but not all of the parables found in the Bible are identified by the title of parable, but even the untitled parables can be discerned because of their consistent use of symbolism and imagery as compared to other parables throughout both the Old and New Testaments. Prophecy consists of the almost entirely symbolic representations of literal people, events, entities, situations, so forth. That is to say, a prophecy is often written in symbolic language, but all of the symbols actually correspond to some literal person, literal entity, literal place, literal situation, literal event. Just as with parables, the symbols and imagery used in prophetic utterances are consistently used throughout the Bible. Given all of the above, when studying the scriptures, always start from the perspective that the passage you're reading is to be taken quite literally until there is a clear indication that you need to shift to a prophetic or figurative or you know parable, a different kind of understanding, right? Always start from the literal until it is clear that you need to employ the figurative or symbolic. And remember that regardless of the forms, all biblical content is for instruction and guidance and correction, etc. Okay, that was a lot. You must read the Bible literally. When you start from the position that whoa, that, that looks weird, therefore I'm going to convert this to something else, you get some very awkward situations. Let me give you an example. There are many people who will insist that Genesis is allegorical. Of course, they have some problems because, you know, they usually will say Genesis 1 through 11. So that means the flood, the flood is just a story with a message, right? The, the, the whole thing in the Garden of Eden is not an actual serpent, and it's not Eve, and it's not Satan, and, it's, and there's no sin. It's just a story that's there to suggest that, you know, if you don't listen, bad things happen, right? Some, somewhat like Aesop's fables, right? No mouse, no lion, but there's this premise. It's, we're trying to instruct you, and we're using colorful language, Okay. Well, the Bible already has those. It's, they're, they're called parables. Okay? So in a parable, um, there's a representation of, you know, a shepherd going after sheep because a sheep is lost. And sure, that happens. Maybe, it, you know, it, it happens enough that people understand 
and and it's therefore a lesson. Um, the parable of the prodigal son, that's a parable. Maybe some boy did that. Maybe some boy did something similar. Maybe they didn't, but everyone understands the gist of it and they get the point that is conveyed. But much of the Bible is literal, very much so. Genesis 1 and 2 are extremely literal. And if you don't believe Genesis 1 and 2, you're going to have a hard time with Revelation 21 and 22 because in Revelation, we get back to what we started with in Genesis. In some ways, it's better than what we started with, but you understand the basic premise. We, we're returning. We're returning to Eden and our Edenic state. Okay. Um, but if you think that that first part is a story, then how is the second part not a story? Then you've just discarded the whole point of the Bible, right? It's all nice precepts. And so people will live decently. But that's not what the Bible is about at all. Um, for those who make Genesis allegorical, they usually stop around Genesis 11 because, and, and they do so for a number of reasons, by the way. Um, the age of man in Genesis is kind of awkward for them. 930 years and he died. 910 years and he died. And they're like, mm, not, not sure what to do with that. Doesn't make any sense. It must be figurative or something. And so they do that. But then, of course, now they get, they get stuck because Abraham shows up in Genesis 12. So now Abraham is literal. Abraham is literal. All that other stuff was allegorical. And then what do you have? Well, you have problems because in the New Testament, you have genealogies that go all the way back to Adam. So it's kind of weird to have real people that you acknowledge from Genesis 12 on have ancestors that are named in the allegedly allegorical part of the Bible, right? So that's why we don't do those kinds of things. You start from a literal perspective until you run into a significant problem. Here's an example of where you should, where you would need to make an adjustment. In, in the book of Luke, there are lots and lots of parables, and we're, we're going to get into that in one of our, our episodes. But in Luke 16, there's a pretty significant power, parable, pretty significant parable, the rich man and Lazarus. Okay. Now, normally you would have already been in parable mode because throughout those passages, Luke is dropping parable upon parable upon parable. Many of them say, and he told another parable unto them, or he told this parable unto them. Some of them don't say that. But then later the disciples say, explain the parable. And, but there's a series of parables. And so you should be in parable mode because it was indicated to be in parable mode early on in that book. But if you aren't, there's certain interesting things that happen in there that you realize if you took them literally would violate much of the rest of the Bible in terms of the state of the dead, et cetera, and so on. So that's an, that's an example of where you would have moved into parable mode. And if you hadn't for some odd reason, or if you'd come out of it, then you would have to go back into it because it says things about the dead that are different in that passage than anywhere else in the Bible. But let's look at our verses. Deuteronomy 8.3 says, And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna which thou knewest not neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know 
that man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Right? That's Moses speaking to the people. So there's a spiritual component to the Bible. Right? Matthew 4.4, 4, Jesus quotes that in his wilderness temptation. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Right? So we're emphasizing that every word is necessary from God for our sustenance. And those words are more effective to us when they're literal or very close to it. Right? Allegorical? Nah. Mark 4, 10 and 11. And when he was alone, this is one of those examples we're talking about. And when he was alone, they that were about him with the twelve asked of him the parable. And he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables. Right? So we see here that Jesus spoke to the people largely in parables. Largely in parables. Okay? Now, the Beatitudes. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. That's not a parable. Okay? That's literal. We go through Matthew 5 and 6, all the way up through 7, and it's pretty literal. He does get to a place where he talks about building on the, on the sand, building on the rock, right? That's obviously more parable than it is literal, but there, there are certain advantages. I'm going to point this out too. There are certain advantages to taking the words of God as literally as possible, as much of the time as possible. There are a number of things that God says that have a specific purpose. They have a, they have a spiritual component to them, right? They have a, a spiritual component to them. But at the same time, they have a literal aspect to them that we can learn from in that context. So a number of years ago in an evangelistic series, uh, we had an evangelist come to our church and he pointed out, he used the parable of the sower on the four different kinds of ground. He used the parable of the sower and indicated that just as the sower sowed on three, um, on four different types of soil, but only one bore fruit. He pointed out that when the church was preparing for the evangelistic series and they were going to reach out to people and invite people to the church, that they needed to aim for, that, you know, if we have a target number of baptisms, we have a target number of people that you want to, to come and, and, and visit each night, he said that you need to reach out to four times the number of people that you expect will come. Four times the amount. And he, and he referenced that parable, which I thought was interesting at the time. He referenced that parable. And he said that in terms of the number of people that will come and the number of people that will, be, that will um, give an indication that they want Bible studies, Four times the amount of people that you want to show up, you need to have, and one-fourth of the people are going to have an interest. Um, one-fourth of the people are going to express an interest in the first pass. And we thought that was interesting, but it largely played out. 
And so that's an example of where something that is stated in a particular context and certainly has primarily spiritual significance also has literal significance if you are willing to dig deep and look at it. Now, the purpose of the Bible obviously is salvation. So that's going to be its, everything that is uttered has that object in mind. But in order to properly understand it, we are literal people. And God calls on us to do literal things. And his instruction to his people was literal. The history of the children of Israel and of the patriarchs and of the New Testament believers, right? So the books of Genesis and Exodus and Numbers and Acts and First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, the time of the judges, those, those were literal events by literal people. And you need to understand those events and you need to see them and understand how people made decisions, how they lined up with what God had said, how they did not line up at times with what God had said. And you can better understand the power of the gospel in how it transforms people so they can do things that they could not otherwise have done. If you turn everything into a, a, a um, if you spiritualize everything that you read, you lose so much of the effect and power of the gospel because then it's all just about philosophy, essentially. You convert all of it to philosophy and that's not what the Bible is about. So remember, regardless of the forms that you see, poetry, parables, prophecy, Regardless of any of that, history, all biblical content is for instruction and guidance. Thanks for taking this time to study with us today. We encourage you to prayerfully review the booklet in conjunction with this recording. Let's close our study with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your mercy and your goodness and your love to us. We want to thank you for giving us this time that we can come together like this. We pray for everyone, those who are participating, those who are helping uh, in this ministry, and those who are listening. And we ask you to encourage them to study along with their Bibles. Don't just take it for granted because they hear it, but let them look and see what is in your word and how it relates and how it all ties together. Please help us as we continue from here that we'll rightly divide your words of truth and that we'll apply all of the principles we're learning in our daily study and devotions. This we pray in Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening in, and if you have any questions, be sure to send them to BibleQuestions at ASBZone.com, and we will do our best, by God's grace, to provide you with biblical answers to those questions. And if you are finding these studies to be a blessing, please let us know and please share them with others. Until we meet again next time, may God richly bless you as you study His Word. Thank you.